This episode is brought to you by the Learning Culture Experience, a cohort-based course for learning professionals. You'll learn how to transform your learning culture, transform your people, and ultimately transform yourself. In just five weeks, you'll walk through a system for designing cohort learning experiences and explore the VASE framework for cultivating a learning culture. You will leave the program with your very own cohort learning experience ready to roll out at your company. If you or someone on your team would benefit from learning how to cultivate learning culture and how to bring people together to learn, then apply now to join the program. Go to curiouslion.cloud forward slash experience to find out more. I think it's terribly important to insist on individual values. Learning culture podcast. Initiative, creation, all these things which we value. It's now possible to make organizations on a larger scale than it was ever possible before. Learning Culture Podcast. Teach people to analyze the kind of things that are said to them. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Learning Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Barry, and joining me this week is Anna Potosa. Anna is the VP of People Operations at Palmerex, a Canadian media company. She's responsible for the entire people function at a company of around 500 people. I met Anna in the work that we were doing around learning culture. And when I first asked her to be involved, and you'll soon see why I did, she said to me, but Andrew, I'm not really a learning person. I'm a people ops person. But it was in the first 10, 15 minutes of talking to Anna that I could tell she thinks incredibly holistically about people within organizations. And that spans everything from the operations, to the people development, to performance management, and really everything in between. And so her perspective is a unique one in being responsible for all of that within a company of a, of a fairly large size. This conversation allowed us to go a lot deeper into the philosophies and approaches that Anna has used in her career and which she's employing to really, really great effect right now at Palmerex. As you'll hear, Anna straight up told me that she doesn't necessarily love people. That may seem counterintuitive for anyone in a people role, but I think it's a very interesting point. Anna clarified that by talking about how she's most interested in her role in the intersection between people performance and high performance and business results. And I think this is what makes her so successful at what she does. What she does is she models the behavior she wants to see. And she creates the environment for others to thrive. Those two points are extremely important as an overarching wrapper for this entire conversation. In the rest of the conversation, you'll learn about how Anna views learning culture and how important it is to not sell it. What four timeless skills Anna looks to instill in companies when she joins them. How COVID was an accelerator in shifting our mindset from seeing people as resources to people, why it's difficult to open up a window into your life and how the pandemic has forced us to do that, and then how important that is for leaders today, and how the pandemic leveled the playing fields for people and how we're perhaps better off in remote or hybrid settings. There's so much more in this episode that I know you enjoy, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy my episode with Anna Potosa. Anna, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Andrew. I'm really excited to break down a lot of these topics with you. Um, you and I have had a chance to get to know each other a little bit over the last couple of months. Um, and you, you bring a strong opinion on things and you bring a perspective from the people ops side of things within HR, which I think is going to be extremely valuable for people listening uh, to today. So um, to give people a bit of a picture of, you know, you, you're a, a, a VP at PalmerX, you're in that people ops role. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does a day to day or a typical week look like? Um, at the risk of sounding cliche, there isn't a typical day or a typical week, uh, especially in the last several weeks as we make our way through this pandemic. I mean, ultimately, how I describe my role to people who are not in people ops is where my team is responsible for creating the ultimate employee experience from the minute we interact with them when they're exploring exploring the possibility of joining us to their onboarding to when they join and how we make sure they they have a great experience they we've created an environment where they can show up as themselves we continue to grow them um, and keep them as long as we can and ultimately do what we can to maximize their performance and maximize their experience with us. Mm. And so what, what are the areas of responsibility? It's, it, one of the things that comes out of that, that uh, response is that it's, you look at the whole person, that sort of whole, whole human approach. Um, but what are the areas or aspects you're looking at um, and where does learning fit in? How do you inter interface with people in, that are in learning roles? So we don't have a dedicated learning function within Palmerx. Uh, it, it's, it's always been my passion. And so I, I, I am kind of leading that function, but I don't without a team. So what we do is we really embed that function within our uh, HRBPs or and we have mm. POGs, people ops generalists, because really mm. they're embedded in the business and they mm. understand their business units. Every business unit has a different makeup. Every business unit has a different stage of maturity, different needs. Uh, their employees have different needs. The level of engagement could be different depending on the, the day of the week or the, the time in the person's career. So we really do take a personalized approach to everything. We try to take a personalized approach to the employee experience and that bleeds over into learning. So mm -hmm. it, it's not a one size fits all. It really is what's the business unit's um, business challenges? What are the people within that business unit looking for? And then we, we tailor it to that specific business unit. We have a handful of what I call corporate learning uh, programs. But, but it really is about that personalized experience, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will be interested in that because I, I know from talking to a lot of folks on the show and, and clients of ours, they, they often interface with HRBPs and the business to create content. You're fully embedded that within the business. Um, there's a benefit that you said of, of sort of localizing the understanding of the needs and, and therefore what you you provide in, in return. Um, but there's also, I'd imagine, a challenge with sort of decentralizing that. Um, and so how do you how do you balance that? And how do you empower people that are in those roles embedded in the business to create really good learning content for people? 
I will say I should take a step back, Andrew. We're a medium-sized organization, so we have uh, about just north of 500 employees uh, within our Canadian operations and our Spanish operations. So we have the benefit of being really flexible, and we're a privately owned company. So mm-hmm. we don't. I don't have. Uh, a relationship with a parent company, we make all of our decisions locally. And that really, really helps us to be super Mm -hmm. flexible, super agile. We can make decisions really quickly without having to build in, you know, we have to get this approval, that approval and the next approval. So it, it, it hasn't been an issue to empower my team because really they need to convince two people, me, and my boss, who's the CEO. And both Mm. of us are huge, um, huge cheerleaders for development, whether that's personal development, Mm. professional development, traditional development, non-traditional development. And so Mm -hmm. my goal for my team is, I always say to them, uh, if you have succeeded in your role, if a stranger outside of Palmerex joins a meeting that you are in with your business unit and they cannot pinpoint who the people operations person is because you mm. speak the language, you understand the business, you're having yeah. conversations with the business lens first um, and, and giving relevant opinions about the business and then you layer on the people op strategy mm. on top of that versus taking it from a reverse angle. Yeah, so that's a that's such an interesting idea because it's what you know me with my firm is what we pride ourselves on, right? I think that's what a lot of um, our clients look for, but you don't often hear that from a an internal functions having that deep understanding of a business. It's it, it is sort of a requirement for us to be in business, but often it's not you know internally. And so I'm curious if we could unpack that a bit. What what are some of the qualities you think that make you know the high performers in that setting that that enable them to have that that understanding that ability to communicate the understanding all those kind of things i i think for me curiosity is a really really big one and and, and yeah. kind of like I, I hate cliches and and i'm about to use one but that growth mindset right yeah. so yeah. people that are showing up really because they have a curiosity about the business and they have a curiosity about the intersection that is high performance from an employee and business mm-hmm. results. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, often people say to me, oh, you, know, you, you got into this career because you love people. And I'm like, I actually don't love people all that much. Like I love people <laughs> in the context of the business. And I think yeah. that we're at a crossroads for this industry, Andrew, because it, it can't, you can't, in my opinion, you can't be in this industry because this profession, because you love people. It's because you have a curiosity for the business and you have a mm-hmm. curiosity about how people at their highest level of performance can impact that business. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Cause that's a, that's sort of a spiky point of view, I think in, in, in the way you approach this. And to me, that means the, there's certain things that you have to sort of be okay with not caring a lot about right and you say like so you don't have to you don't have to make everyone happy would be one example right um no someone once said to me if you want to make everybody happy sell ice cream right like (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's you know it's not about making people happy it's about active listening uh creating a personalized experience for people 
and 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 challenging, right? Challenging the business unit leaders and challenging employees mm-hmm. um, and, and asking the really tough questions um, and building the trust so you have an environment where you can uh, ask those really tough questions and your yeah. opinion is being sought after. Yeah. How, how do you inspire the curiosity and, and growth mindset in, in people to be like that about the business or have you just picked the right people that have that naturally? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, You know, my, my philosophy around people operations and my approach isn't for everybody, uh, quite frankly. And so, you know, I've learned that kind of the, through, through the, I guess the hard way in my, in my career. Um, and when you have the right people who get it, it really, really works. And mm-hmm. that's what I explore in an interview. I don't really care necessarily about an education in HR or mm-hmm. any of that stuff. I care about people who have um, who can demonstrate a curiosity for the business and who can demonstrate mm-hmm a knowledge of the businesses that they've worked in and the and the levers of each of those business units that they're supporting within the business. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, I, I think you're you're right. And and I've I've seen that because it, it is a it's an it's a hiring question and then it's that environment that sort of also leading by example. Like you you have clearly have a um an an approach or an opinion on things and people know where you stand on that. Um, but I want to I want to counter that. Well, not counter this. I want to add to this this um, with a quote that someone wrote about you, um, and I want you to, to sort of help me unpack this. Anna and her team constantly engaged employees and adopted strategies to encourage them to recognize their peers on an ongoing basis. I'm particularly curious about that last part. How do you encourage that? Um. I mean, a lot of it really is through, um, like, I I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve, Andrew. And so people, you know, I'll have tough conversations, I'll I'll really push people. And I do that with my peers, I do that with my team. And I think it's just through modeling it, because you can't, you know, it's amazing and I see it being a mom, right? There's so many things my kids have picked up that I have not taught them. I've not gone out of mm. my way to teach them, but they they yeah. pick it up because they see how I interact, they see how I live my life, they see my relationship with their dad, they see my relationship with with others. And so I think modeling it is a really big piece and really just being conscious of how you show up every day. And if you're having, a, you know, kind of a crusty day, then just say, you know what, team, if you're going to ask me something, today's probably not the day because like I'm mm. not on my A game and, mm. you know, if it can wait, let it wait. And I think it's just creating an environment that's super flat, not hierarchical, being vulnerable um, and just openly sharing and creating mm. sort of that trust. And, and then the other stuff, I feel like just falls into play when you've created that environment where people can can have whatever conversation they need to have with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you and I get along so well is that we both, I think, see the importance of that. And so I, I love you've mentioned 
two things for me that are like foundational that you've got to start with before you can add in things like goal setting and this and that and all the, the sort of other parts that you have to eventually get to is modeling the behavior you want to see and then creating the environment for others to thrive. Right. Like those are like two almost non-negotiables, it sounds like for you. Um, this first point about modeling the behavior you want to see, I was talking to to Felicia Jones from PagerDuty on a previous episode, you know, uh, each other. Um, and she talked about this the same way. And I think for me, I'm starting to see, you know, it tracks with also with what a lot of people are saying that learning in HR should be a much more, especially learning um, in, in that it hasn't been in the past, should, should have a much more prominent role um, at the, the sort of strategic table. And the requirement to be a leader, first and foremost, instead of just someone in the background creating, you know, training courses, but actually being out there leading and modeling the behavior that you and coaching others and mentoring them seems to be a big requirement of the role. I, I think so. I mean, I I think the bit, you know, you talk about a learning uh, culture, Andrew, and I think a, a, a learning culture is one where you're not selling it, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm not going out on a road show and trying to convince people why I think this is good for them because we're we're making it relevant right and mm. we we it, it just kind of it's hard for me to articulate and i'm not usually at a loss for words but it, it's not like an event right it's not like this yes. th this this um orchestrated event it just yep. kind of feels like what we do right mm -hmm. and you know a learning event isn't about and it's not an event. It, it's learning is embedded in everything that we do, and yeah. we, you know, we have programs. But it's also, again, from a modeling behavior point of view, it's also, you know, sometimes there are days where I'm not proud how I show up with my team or with my kids or you know with with mm -hmm. my husband, and it, and I think it's like you know what that was not the best version of myself. I'm sorry mm -hmm. and call me out on it next time, right? And so yeah. we can teach that in a leadership program, but yeah. then to see it modeled um, yeah. is a completely different thing. We can teach vulnerability in a leadership program, but when our CEO, is, who's a fantastic storyteller, goes on to an all hands in front of the whole company and starts to cry when he talks about um, his family, you can't teach that in a leadership program. Yeah. And so yeah. it really is that modeling. And that's the most impactful factor for me in a learning culture is what do people yeah. see when they're not in a kind of a learning program, right? What do they yeah. see in their yeah. meetings? What do they see from their leadership team? What's okay and what's not okay? Yeah. This is one of my favorite things to talk and think about. This, this, that you, such a great analogy. Instead of naming the thing, it's sort of it's how we it's how we do it. So it becomes pervasive. It becomes part of the the culture. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to come back to that because I think there are lots of applications for that. But you you think about in your role, you have to think about more than just learning culture. So I'm glad you kind of took it in this direction. That was a helpful framing of what you see learning culture, but I'm curious how you see it fit into overall workplace culture. So, you know, again, I, this is this is my opinion and it, it might not be shared by uh, by a lot of people. 
I, I've never been, I've never subscribed to the idea that as the head of people operations or HR or whatever you want to call it, culture gets tagged on because I don't actually think me or my team own culture. Culture is something that should be embedded within every people leader within an organization because the minute you're like, well, yeah, that's Anna's job, you know, it's not my job. And it is, as every people leader, it's your responsibility to consciously uh, show up in a way that models the culture you're trying to cultivate for your group, um, models the behaviors we're trying to cultivate within Palmerx. So again, I think the culture piece is a thread that's woven throughout mm -hmm. leadership uh, at all levels of leadership within an organization, not just the executive team, not just my team. It, it's, a, it's a competency for, for every single people leader, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, this is another theme we've talked about a lot on this show is, is the role managers play, right? Even even down to that sort of one up from individual contributors so new new managers, um, how crucial that responsibility is in the whole not just you know in in the whole culture it's sort of it's hard to kind of put in words i think this is it's like a tapestry and every person's role is affecting the whole versus just maybe you know just their direct reports right yeah oh a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah 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 so yeah i'm so that's that's really good that you brought that up and i'm curious like when you look at the the company culture holistically um, what are some of the sort of non-negotiables? What are some of the things that you, if you were to start again, you started at a brand new company and you went in there and you sort of had your 90 day plan, you know, what are some of the things you think you have to get in place right, right away? Uh, I think the, the, the communication piece is a big one and just authentic, honest, at times tough communication, right? Um, just being really transparent, whether it's good news, bad news, ugly news. Uh, I, I think communication uh, it is really important. I think mm -hmm. without trust, you, you basically don't have a foundation, right? Because trust is the springboard for tough conversations. Trust mm -hmm. is the springboard for development conversations. Trust is the springboard for calling people in or out, depending on the conversations that you're having. Um, I would love to make laughter a part of culture because I think if you're not that. laughing a lot and often, yeah. you're not you're doing something wrong, right? Like yeah. let's not yeah. take ourselves too seriously and let's laugh every day, multiple times a day because mm -hmm. I, I think it sets a really good tone for for culture. Um, and I think curiosity. Right. Like we're, mm. you know, I'll be 56 this year. I'm still learning and unlearning. There's a bunch of stuff I'm unlearning as I as I continue yeah. on my EDI journey. And that's a conversation for another day. But I, I don't think you can ever stop learning. And so I think that curiosity um, it is really, really critical. 
Mm. especially when it comes to a learning culture, Andrew, because so much learning happens informally, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It, I, I'm a big, big reader. I read a ton of books and I'll often say to my team, oh, I'm reading this right now. Um, these are the three nuggets that I got out of it. I, if you want to pick yeah. it up, this might be interesting for you or so-and-so on my team. I just read this book and you mentioned something the other day and, and, I, and it, this book might resonate with you. Or... I talk about, you know, my missteps as a mom and, and I'm like, mm. team, I lost my mom card today at dinner because <laughs> this is what happened, right? And yeah, so yeah. many things as a parent can be translated yeah. to the workplace, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think th those are some of the few of them uh, that come to yeah. mind. Yeah, uh, you you didn't name it, but you modeled it. It's the the vulnerability that comes with that as well to be able to share the the, the challenges and um, also I love the idea of um, sharing what you're learning, what you're reading, summarizing it for people. It's a we talk I talked about this with a previous guest as well. Just a a great habit to to get into. Um, and I was going to ask you this question towards the end, but we might as well go there now. What are you reading or learning right now? So I go through phases. Um, and if anyone who knows me listens to this, they'll chuckle. I have this unusual curiosity about the prison system assassins ah. and serial killers. So, <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> but, but I can't read those types of books all the time because that's yeah. just a little bit too dark. So I'm in yeah, my memoir yeah. phase right now. So I just finished mm. reading um, JVN's Over the Top because I love Jonathan uh, Van Ness. He's one of the uh, fellows right. in, in, in uh, Queer Eye. Um, and now oh, I'm reading nice. Trevor Noah, Born a Crime. Yes. Um, uh, awesome. That I'm, I'm really finding fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't read that. I, sh I definitely need to. That's, a, that's great recognition. It's, it's, it's such a good read so far. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I, I like the, um, the sort of cross... Uh, I guess like discipline, but sort of interest, the cross sort of interest, you cross pollinating ideas from different areas and um, not just sticking to, to one thing. Uh, yeah, especially not prison books and, and <laughs> books. <laughs> hey, it's your host, Andrew here. I wanted to take a second just to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, we would love it if you did a couple of things for us. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. It really allows us to grow the channel and reach a lot more people like you. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, take a moment to leave us a rating and review. It's a great way to give us some feedback and to tell the world what you think about this podcast. So whether you listen to it on YouTube or you listen to it as a podcast, if you take one of those actions, it would mean the world to me and my team. Thank you. And with that, right back to the show. Um, one of the things we were talking about before when we were off air, uh, before we hit record on this was um, the concept of, you know, everyone's tired. Um, we're, we're tired. We're all looking forward to sort of taking some time uh, and a break over the summer, hopefully. Um, I'm curious, how do you approach that when you look at the whole company? How do you re meet people where they are kind of, yeah, just in general, I know that's happening in almost every company. And how are you guys approaching it? Yeah, 
I think the most important thing for me on this topic, Andrew, is, uh, you know, it goes back to, I feel like the theme of this podcast is modeling behavior, really mm. is modeling behavior and giving people permission, right? Mm. Um, and, and being vulnerable about that. Um, and, and our CEO does an amazing job of this. And it, it, so, for example, what I do is I, I, I let my team know, I'm like, team, it's two o'clock, mm -hmm. it's Wednesday afternoon, I'm, I've hit a wall, I'm canceling my meetings and I'm going for a walk. Or I'm going to go pick up my kids from school and then we're going to do something fun after I do that. Um, and so creating the, the space and the permission for people to say, I woke up not feeling myself today, I'm not going to hop on to my first two meetings today and you know I'll see you at noon or mm. because acknowledging that it's not a weakness yeah. you know, being tired is not a weakness we everybody has a story Andrew that we don't know about right we yeah. don't know what's happening behind the scenes with people in their personal lives um, you know yeah. what happened before they they start work went on their way to running errands or if they have kids dropping the kids off or dealing with elderly yeah. parents whatever people's narrative is we don't know what it is and so yeah. creating space giving people permission to not be okay um and modeling the behavior that nothing is going to happen if you need to take an afternoon off or an hour during the middle of the day because you want to go do some meditation or a yoga class yeah. to unwind because you hit a wall yeah. 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 And trust. You talked about that earlier. It comes into this in a big way, right? And you're showing big people. Big time. Yeah. 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 You're sort of demonstrating that and then saying implicitly that I trust you to do the same thing. Um, do, you, do you have you seen a change with that, that we you maybe as a company and, you know, we can talk generally as well. Like there's a shift away from from measuring people's work in terms of how much they're online to measuring it in in. I was going to say in what they produce, but also how they produce it. Yeah, I think for sure there's there's a shift, and and I think for some people that shift um, was wasn't voluntary, right? <laughs> because right. as as a yeah. people leader, you know, unless you're completely out to lunch, read your team's body language, right, and read your mm. your team's energy level. And so I think a lot of people have been kind of hit in in the face with it and have had to shift um i'm still surprised at the conversations that i have with folks whose organizations haven't made that shift and who mm. still very much are time bound and time based and and um kind of FaceTime in a remote world um and and i think people are voting with their feet in some of those mm. organizations because it's just not it's not sustainable um, mm. it, it's really not sustainable. People are tired. And, um, you know, I think as an organization, making that a focus and, uh, you know, for Pelmerax, we've increased resources and support from a, a mental health uh, point of view. We're doing, you know, online um, workouts in the middle of the day. Mm. We've given people, we've increased uh, kind of a um, a personal spending allowance to spend on anything that makes you happy or fills your cup. You want to buy hiking mm. shoes and take your family for a hike, go buy hiking shoes. Mm. Um, and, and I think that shift is really important to acknowledge that there, there's no 
division between work and home for people that are mm. working remote. And mm -hmm. so as an organization, what can we do to lift that pressure a little bit and create a yeah. space of trust and create a space of we hear you, we've got you, do do what you need to do to be a better you and we'll support you the whole step the whole way there. I, I hear this so often this 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 sort of approach and it sort of fills it fills my cup to hear people talk like that and i'm and it makes me think do you think this is something that was always happening this shift from seeing you know people as as resources human resources to kind of a people you know to humans um do you think COVID accelerated that or do you think so like what you know was that happening already or do you think do you think we sort of have woken up a bit I think it was happening very selectively, and I think COVID was a fast forward into either do this or, you know, yeah. people will leave. You won't be able to attract people because it's interesting. People ask us these questions, Andrew, when they're considering joining Palmerx. Yeah. How did what did, what did you do for employees during COVID? You yeah, know, interesting. Were there, you know, were there furloughs? What did you do with compensation and salaries? Did you add any, you know, that that whole um it's on people's radar and people are asking about it. And and so mm -hmm. if you don't have some good answers, you I think you'll be left behind uh because mm -hmm. frankly, I don't think it's a it's a choice anymore. And and rightly yeah. so. It's a, it's 150% what companies should have been doing 10 years ago, 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah, 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 and it's we're lucky in a way because, and I think from a business perspective as well, because we finally business is waking up to. I think what a lot of people in in people roles have have realized that it is people that drive so you know innovation, customer satisfaction, you know, feeling of of culture and belonging amongst all people. It, all of that is driven by the people. And, and so seeing it by far, to me, it's just glaringly obvious that the biggest asset any company has is, is its people. Um, but we, we didn't, we weren't so sure about that until quite recently. No, um, you know, and in fact, I'm doing some research now because one of the programs that I'm looking at is this idea of how do we shift leadership to more human-centered versus business-centered. Um, and because I don't think, I think people understand the concept, but even I'm not 100% sure on how we do that. Yeah. And we need to do that because I, I think, you know, and I, I'm a big uh, Josh Burson fan and I love all the research that he's doing on this topic yeah. um, because it really is a necessary shift. And I think the pandemic accelerated it. Um, but we need to help leaders on how to get there because it comes yeah. naturally for some leaders and it's in some leaders DNA and in others, um, you know, they're just like, I, I actually don't even know where to start with that. And, and yeah. so how do we hold hands and kind of go through this journey together? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the let, let's explore that a bit because it comes naturally to some it doesn't come to others. What, what's been what are you in your in the research that you're doing? What is jumping out at you as the challenges where do we need to be focusing on what to, to overcome I, I think it's people you know and this is this is what i'm taking away from it the the lines aren't as blurred anymore right especially with remote work like you mm. know i'm assuming that's your real background and not a virtual background 
it's yeah. it's a window into your life I would never have yeah. seen before. You know, same yeah. with me. I, I hardly ever use a virtual background. And so, you know, my kids are coming in and out because yeah. they forgot something or, you know, my, my husband pokes his head out and I'm like, uh, you're, you're 50 people just saw you meeting. on camera. <laughs> <laughs> you're in my meeting now. Um, and so I, I think this, being comfortable with opening up the window of your life to people yeah. doesn't yeah. come naturally to everybody. Um, yeah. Compassion doesn't come naturally to everybody because it hasn't had to be a thing before, Andrew, right? Like yeah. you could, you had the physical separation of walking into an office and then walking out of the office. Um, it, it's harder, I think, to, to delineate now because it's yeah. everything's so blurred oh, right that's such a good point yeah such a good point like that yeah it was it's so easy to compartmentalize people as the not even almost like the robots that you interact with right like the, the whatever non-human characteristic that you act, interact with at work and you can separate that but the, yeah that's no longer the case i talk a lot about integrating work and learning this is I think you've hit at the core of integrating work and life in that it's not it's not like you know we always used to talk about balancing life and and work life balance and all that sort of thing and and this is a this is a lot deeper than that this is like opening the kimono like there's no you can't you can't really avoid that anymore no no and and I think it, it, there's a certain level of um angst that comes with that right because i I remember early on in the pandemic and i'd be on a call and and someone would be like oh you know i hear crying in the background and i'm like is everything okay do you need to go and and it's like bring your baby on screen put them on your lap it's all good or the dog's barking and and you know it's not the way we've been taught to especially my generation right like i'm 56 maybe if i were you know my kids age it's, it's a little bit yeah, you know yeah. they're digital natives i am I'm yeah. a huge immigrant so it's very different um <laughs> so no it, and it's not an easy thing to do right it's not mm-hmm. an easy thing for people to open up the window of their life um mm-hmm. to everybody and and i think that's where we can and and, and there's different levels right i'm not I'm probably freaking out all the introverts right now, but you know, I think they're, they're, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is a yeah. spectrum, right? Totally, um, totally. It, it is yeah. a spectrum. Yeah. It's just reminding me today, this week, uh, yesterday, actually, we had someone on our team did, did a presentation for the whole team and midway through it, her baby son, infant son, uh, woke up from a nap that she thought he would have while she was doing this. And so she just put the video off, you know, picked them up, held him and continued with the whole presentation and the entire discussion in that and it, it revealed just this i just I, I remember writing in the chat like badass mom moves right there because it like revealed so much about her and this ability to multitask like that with family and work and um yeah i i reflecting on that now it, it gave us an insight into her and and, and almost like a, a deeper understanding of how awesome <laughs> frankly she is um, but also couldn't have really happened without the fact that everyone in the team feels very comfortable with each other. And I think where yeah. I'm going with this is the thing that is that that's driving that is they all come in, they all have a shared vision or a shared purpose or a shared mission behind this. So they don't, they may, they interact 
a lot of them are in, in the same city, so they interact together a little bit in person. But otherwise, they just mainly see each other on video. And yet, they said actually on this call yesterday that they probably spend more time with each other than they do with their real friends that they see in person, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone in companies is experiencing that. Um, so I'm curious if you have a take on that and how, yeah, how do we... How do we how do we make it so people feel like there's that shared purpose that they they're all doing this for? Yeah, it, it's such an interesting point, and we've experienced it um, as well, Andrew. So one of our we have a few flagship uh, leadership programs that I just love that are cohort based that take over uh, over multiple months, mm-hmm. and we open it up obviously to to everybody, and so. In a cohort, we could have a couple of people from our Madrid office, a couple of people from our Montreal office, and some people from the Oakville office, maybe a couple of people from um, the satellite offices. But historically, the people physically located in Oakville would be in a meeting room and everybody yep. else would be on a screen. And you miss yep. out on the side chatter, the side jokes, the the, the whatever. And in speaking to the Spain folks and, and the, the folks in Montreal, they've both said they have never felt more connected and more mm. part of an organization than they have in these last two years because the, the playing field's been leveled. Everybody's a box on the screen. So, mm. you know, everybody it, it uh, asks for airtime in the same way or airtime mm. is more equally divided. And so... Um, to the point where, you know, we are not having a mandated return to office. It, it'll be purely uh, voluntary. Uh, apart from we have some folks that are in office essential that have been in office the whole time. Uh, yeah. That it's worked so well that we are going to keep these cohorts as remote because That's the bond awesome. that the bond that has formed the 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 groups continue to get together long after the pro the formal program has wrapped up because they've built yeah. such amazing relationships and so you know i think there are there's a ton of pros that are coming out of this and even just getting us to shift the way we're thinking about learning um mm-hmm. and and how we we really create an amazing experience for for people and if someone had said this to me before COVID, I'm like, why would we do that? Why would we create a remote cohort when we have people that are here? Um, And so this experimentation has has been wonderful and given us some, just some great learning and and nuggets about Mm. how to make these learning experiences much more positive for people. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love to hear how you you stumbled upon that as a company and sort of figured it out yourselves as you went through it. Um, and so many companies we help trying to do that, but I do think once people, it, it, you, so it's like there was an experiment, there was something that forced you to do it, but then you embraced it. And that has also been my experience is once you've tried this, it doesn't take much to make you realize, Oh, this is good. We need to keep, keep doing this. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a great point. Um, one thing I want to go back to, um, your, you mentioned how you, you report to the CEO. Um, you're a medium-sized company, 500 people is still, still pretty large. Um, how do you go about, it sounds like you probably have a good relationship with them, but um, if you had to sort of 
try to generalize it for others as well. And because I get this question all the time, and I think it's great to get a perspective on it, getting leadership buy-in for the stuff that you want to do. How, what's worked for you in the past? Oh, now you've gone to the Pandora's box, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I'd find it somewhere. (laughs) This is, this is the same, um, I get the same reaction to this question that I do when people ask me how how I get a seat at the table. It's a bit of a trigger for me, I'm not going to lie. Because, you know, people ops getting a seat at the table, you never hear a finance person talking about how to get a seat at the table, right? And it goes back to full circle what I talked about at the beginning. You you shouldn't have to get buy-in because if you're doing the right things and you're creating the right learning for people and making it relevant and and taking an agile approach where you're actually getting you know putting together designing a program with the users in mind in this case it's leaders or or whoever within your organization then they become your biggest advocates for it and you don't have to get buy-in because they're Mm -hmm. talking about oh my god i was in this program and this is what I learned. And they're taking that learning and applying it to their team meetings. They're applying it in their quarterly check-ins with their team and their leaders or their career conversations with their team and their leaders. And so it gets embedded and woven into the culture of an organization in a way that is much more powerful, meaningful, and lasting Mm -hmm. than my team kind of talking about it. And so then you get to a point where instead of asking, why are we doing this? You're being asked, why aren't we doing more of this? Um, And that's where we're at because, you know, I'm not going to go on a hard sell, Andrew, as to why we need to do something. I'm going to do it and be so confident that we've curated the content and taken a design approach to it with the users in mind that it's just going to speak for itself and I don't have to then, you know, kind of advocate for it at the leadership, at the executive leadership uh, table or or, or any of that stuff. Or to the the people that you don't have to try and convince people to to take part in the sessions either. That's such a great answer. It's actually, I, I love that because it's similar in a way to a lot of the, the ways I ask that question to every single guest and, and the, the responses have started to become similar. It's your, I mean, your response is basically, I let the results do the speaking. Like, and you've, yeah. you've been around, yeah. Like, and that, that to me is so powerful. It's a, a permission sort of to, to, get, to, to have the courage of your convictions to say, I know how this works um, and, and you put it out there. And that just makes, leadership buy-in like a non-issue right for you it it, it is a non-issue you know and i have to say i i I have probably you know the dream ceo our partnership i'm just i have so much appreciation and gratitude um Mm. for him and and he's our you know he's our biggest kind of uh, sponsor on on all of these things Mm. um and we deliver and so you know we've also earned that trust and we've earned that autonomy um by listening to our employees and giving them, you know, versus our team being in a room and coming up with this, you know, ideating on this amazing program and we roll it out. We think it's awesome. We roll it out Mm -hmm. and we're like, 
I don't understand why 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 does nobody else think it's awesome right. and it's because you haven't involved them and you haven't yes. asked them and you haven't yeah. and, and so I think you know that is, is critical in yeah. getting that buy-in yeah yeah there's two other lessons that I'm, I'm hearing there one um, as a great example of leadership is you had that space to experiment you, you are given that space to experiment so you can go you don't have to get permission to do something you do it and then the results speak for themselves um, and then also the the idea of getting, um, I don't want to say getting buy-in again. It's it's getting is getting input into the development of it. So it's not it becomes the, everyone's idea really. But yeah, and there's a question in there because there is a danger there that you get a course by consensus, right? And and so and that's never a good thing. So how do you balance that? Um. You know, again, it goes back to creating an environment of trust where mm. people and we're doing a ton of work right now on psychological safety and, you know, creating a, a space and environment where we're modeling, you can challenge whoever you want and, you know, there, there yeah. aren't any repercussions. And so, again, I think you have to work on the culture and the foundation first to be able to then springboard and do these things. I, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to do this day one in a new organization, right? Yeah. Um, it, yeah. it also comes with trust and credibility uh, that I have, and more importantly, you know, my amazing team has yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, it totally goes back to that. Your first response to my question about if you did start at a new company, it's putting in communication, trust, laughter, curiosity. Those things take time to, to, to take root. Um, so, so as we sort of come to a close here, Anna, I would love to, what, what strikes you, so you, you think about things at the human-centered level and you model that behavior. I definitely, you, you've named this episode, by the way, that's 100% what it's <laughs> gonna be called, definitely the theme. Um, I, I wanna know why you do what you do. Oh, um... I I want to say, Andrew, I want to leave everything that I'm involved with in a better place uh, than I inherited it. Um, whether it's my work, my team, my family, and I've had the privilege um, very early on in my career, I had the privilege of having people who believed in me because I... I didn't fit in, right? Like I didn't fit into that corporate HR type. Mm -hmm. um, I was always very vocal. I was never, I never follow rules. I always go rogue. I hate policies. You know, I had flaming red hair and with, with the <laughs> curls. Like I just, you know, someone once told me, like, you need to get some suits. And I'm like, if I am working somewhere that needs me to wear a suit, I'm working in the wrong place. And so, <laughs> Um, I never really fit in to that corporate HR mm -hmm. kind of type, if there was a type. And mm -hmm. so I've, I had two people very early on in my career that really supported me and encouraged me to continue to be who I was. Um, and I want to do the same for people. I want to be that connector. I want to be that that sounding board i want to be the person that delivers tough love to someone that then springboards them into something they never thought was possible because i've had 
quite a few naysayers in my life. Um, and I grew up, uh, you know, with immigrant parents who had their own opinions about what I could do versus what my brothers could do and what my life path should look like versus their life path. And I rejected kind of all those norms. Um, and I was just blessed with support along the way. And I don't want it to be that difficult for anybody else that's doing what I wanted to do. And so, you know, making a difference, creating, you know, nothing gives me more joy than when I ask someone on my team to do something and they're like, I'm really not comfortable doing that. And I'm like, and that's exactly why you're going to do it. And I'm going to be there every step of the way. And I'm going to be your loudest cheerleader. And then they come mm -hmm. back to me and they're like, oh my God, I did it. And I didn't actually so think I could. Right. right? And so yeah. I, I don't want it to be as difficult as it was uh, for me, for others. And if mm -hmm. I can open doors and create a soft landing or just push people to the potential that I know is there when they're surrounded by people who don't see that, that's what keeps me going. And mm -hmm. being that role model for my boys uh, mm -hmm. and being the role model of it's tough, but if you surround yourself with people that believe in you, if you surround yourself with people who love you enough to be tough on you, um, and, and, and if you surround yourself with inspiration and something that you feel so strongly about, it's not going to feel as tough or, or, or like work. And so, again, just making it easier because my road was a bit bumpy. And, and if I can make it less bumpy for just one more person, um, then, then I feel like it's worth it. That was a beautiful, beautiful response. Um, I like the, the reference to those that have helped you and that willingness to want to give back. Um, that's if we all had that kind of attitude, that's what makes everything possible. If everyone takes that attitude of helping the next person, um, paying it forward. Um, and I definitely heard some badass mom moves in there as well. <laughs> Um, so, and I just, I just want to thank you so much for spending this, this time with me, for sharing your, your incredible thoughts and, and wisdom around this, um, with everyone. Um, I really appreciate the time. Well, thank you, Andrew. And I, I appreciate you giving me the space and, um, for my opinions. And, uh, this was so great. I can't believe our time is up. That, that was so much fun and, and there, uh, I loved every minute. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. There are a lot more opinions in there, so we're going to probably have to do a round. <laughs> uh, bring it on. I would love to. Thank you so much. Hello, hello. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It's Andrew again with a quick message. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is to leave us ratings and reviews where you listened. If you're on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe buttons and feel free to leave a comment. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please take the time to give us a rating and leave a review. Once again, we love hearing from our loyal listeners. If you're listening to this on Spotify, please hit the follow button to make sure that you don't miss new episodes as they come out. And as a reminder, this episode is sponsored by the Learning Culture Experience, a first of its kind cohort-based learning experience for learning professionals in which you will join a community of 50 other innovative learning professionals designing and developing cohort learning experiences that you can roll out in your companies. To find out more about the program and when the next cohort is starting, check out curiouslion.cloud forward slash experience. 
See you next week for another episode of the Learning Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening.